0: You know, I think spiritual teachers would agree that that we all kind of advocate non-judgment. The soul's intent uh, is a show and is a concept is that we see human adversity as a natural part of being here. So imagine that many of us are swimming and floating, and in the extreme exploding in the culture from this from this adversity. New wisdom suggests that this energy collects like morning dew to be used like a healing and self-correcting ointment. To apply to those wounds, it's not a coincidence that the blood, sweat, and tears of our lives is called matter of the heart. When applied to our wounds, we can grow and cultivate depth. It's pretty cool to think of suffering that way. It's also pretty cool to welcome my guest and co-host. She's not my guest; she's my co-host, Irma <laughs> Francis. Hi, Irma. How's it feel to be my guest Hi, and Irma. co-host? <laughs> sure,
3: sure. Okay.
0: I got you wearing both hats. You're you're both a guest okay. uh, in a uh, in a host. I think of you that way because you're just multifaceted. That's why. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, Irma, this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to me because it's really about shame. Self-loathing is a is really about shame, and shame is is a demon that I have dealt with my whole life. Uh, and for those folks who haven't followed me for very long or follow me for the first time, I, I kind of came up in the, in the system. Uh, I was a child of the state and lived in a bunch of different homes and was raised in an orphanage. And I can honestly say that my self-esteem and self-worth was partly harmed by my my beginnings and how I got started. And and so shame and in in trying to resolve the wound of shame has been a has been a lifelong journey for me to, to work with. So this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart because we tend to lump uh, guilt and shame together, Irma. People don't make the distinction between the two, and it's a very distinct, uh, unique impact on one's spirit and one's soul. Guilt is self-blame and self-punishment, which, is, which, which comes with, in, in parentheses, that I am a mistake I'm sorry that I made a mistake, and shame is just the opposite of that it's it's that I am a mistake and so you can see the impact on the human condition to to have guilt as a demon because guilt is you know uh, is something that's, that's typically a wound to the ego where shame can be a wound to the soul of who you are. it leaves uh, uh, what I call an indentation on the surface of the soul to literally have. Shame as a demon, so uh, it's a it's a it's a near and dear topic for me, and I know that for you. I mean, we we talked about this off the air many times. Uh, shame was not your demon; you had guilt. So shame is not uh, no. is not something you're, that you're not as familiar with. So, uh, so this is going to be a challenge for you tonight as we talk about. <laughs>
3: Yeah, But the clarification between those two, I don't know that I've I've heard you put it quite that way before, that um, guilt being I made a mistake is of the ego, and shame, I am a mistake, is a soul wound. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that, but that that really clears it up, yeah.
0: Well, and if you want an image for it, uh, you know, I I use the concept a lot in therapy of a self-worth cup. And a self-worth cup is literally uh, a, a cup full of liquid. Guilt is – and imagine that the liquid is the soul and spirit of who you are. That's what that liquid represents. It also is symbolic of your self-worth and self-esteem. Well, guilt is a hole in the side of the container where the liquid runs down to where the hole is. And it's typically, you know, like halfway down on the cup, so to speak. And you can, you can always kind of patch you – can, you can repair mistakes – so you can repair that hole over time by fixing your mistakes, and then the self-esteem is allowed to accumulate. Uh, a wound to the soul from shame is a hole in the bottom of the cup, so it's a perpetual mm-hmm. leak that is always there. That no matter what you do, uh, that that hole, that leaking sensation, is always there. People that are people that would be aware of this, besides folks who have issues with self-esteem, would be addicts uh because a lot of addicts have shame as a demon, uh they they can't uh there isn't enough that they can do to put in the cup that ever really kind of catches up. You're in a no catch-up situation with that. And so the 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 goal in in guilt is kind of a cognitive behavioral how I think is how I feel kind of approach where which is which is kind of the the, the therapies that are typically used with guilt. Because guilt is also a form of neuroses uh which is a fear driven uh, kind of thing as well shame is different shame is uh is more of a you've got to actually apply compassion to shame uh which in this context is self love for that whole to heal and uh uh and for your self worth and your self esteem to accumulate if that makes any sense mhm,
3: yeah, yeah, it does absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. I was just um thinking of of uh, the show tonight and just wondering to myself um of course um self-hatred has to be learned because we aren't born with it. I mean it's it's something yeah. that has to be learned and almost um uh, passed down down to us from somebody else because it's not we're not born with it it's not ours somebody has to kind of um, program with us program us with it
0: yeah well I think I think they're both learned but there's but there's there's very specific way that they're learned uh, guilt is learned. By of course, making mistakes uh, if you if you make mistakes, and then it's learned uh, by that, that, that idea of hindsight's twenty twenty and you kind of learn from your mistakes and you try not to make those same mistakes again so so there's a learning curve i think on on how to heal guilt and how to resolve guilt um, where shame's a little bit uh, deeper because it is. It is done to you. You're not doing it to yourself. Uh, people that have shame mm-hmm. as a demon have, have been a victim of abuse, have been a victim of, uh, of all manner of abuse. Uh, and, and what the culture and the listeners may not be aware of is, is that, um, that uh, I saw a shift take place around 1980 where we moved from a guilt kind of oriented to guilt based culture to a shame-based culture around 1980 and became very cool in this country to disrespect one another. And we made sitcoms and we had comedy shows on TV where people were dis- disrespecting one another. And, and so it became kind of cool in the culture to do that. And if you look at what's taking place now with, um, with the suicide rate and you look at, at the headlines in the newspaper, many of the people uh, that are... Uh, kind of behaving in these extreme ways uh are mm-hmm. detached, and that's what shame that's what shame is shame detaches so uh and, and that in and in and in that detachment uh, you become um it's kind of like you against the culture where guilt is you against yourself you see and uh
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: it's a different kind of dynamic uh to 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 understand how shame plays out and how it ends up developing and both of course create disorder. You know, the, 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 you know, the guilt problem uh, tends to create, uh, like I said before, all the neuroses, uh, problems like dependency and um, uh, obsessive compulsiveness and depression, negative, uh, you know, kind of depression that goes with a view in the view in the world in kind of a not-so-positive way, where shame is more antisocial, uh more um schizophrenic even uh, schizoid personality disorders come out of shame and so there's so because shame shame is really a result of a of a very spe- a specific kind of abuse and the abuse is the world is kind of telling you that you are a mistake mm. uh and 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 as a result of that you're working uphill the entire time to try to fit in and be part of the culture and if you don't heal that don't fix that in yourself then you're then you really are divided against the culture uh, A lot of shame people feel like it's them against the world. you see where guilt mm-hmm. people think it's just kind of like, it's it's kind of like them against themselves mhm
3: well yeah. you you said so, in the in your in your opening paragraph that uh, the soul's intent is that we see human suffering as a natural part of being here so when it comes to a person that has shame i would think um the last thing a person that has shame um the last thing they would want to do is to suffer anymore so yeah, i'm just yeah. I'm, well well
0: yes, well yeah. it becomes... It, well, it becomes a double whammy it, it, you've got you've mm-hmm. got the normal the normal adversity of what it means to be human and 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 what it takes to do that uh, but then you also have the rejection of what it means to be in the world it's kind of like mm-hmm. we've talked about before about when, when we talk about the distinction between religion and spirituality that a lot of religious people see this as a failed experiment this entire existence as a failed experiment and uh um, uh, and, and, and that's kind of part and partial to their belief system because if this is a failed experiment, then there's a better life, you know, kind of after they die, and they're going to have a better life when they go to the next place, where shame is sitting in a failed experiment and being told that they are the biggest failure of that experiment.
3: Oh, wow.
0: That, that, that not, not, not only are you in a failed experiment, but you are you are a shameful animal in that in this failed experiment, so you can see, there it's a double whammy. It's a double hit. So, so, so you're not gonna you're not gonna learn from your from your pain and from your adversity in quite the same kind of way because it just feels like a mega dose of uh, of pain. And uh, and mm-hmm. so that's why it's very 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 uh, important that to to make the distinction between your inside life and your outside life because the the shame problem is an internal. Uh, subjective idea of who you think you are and uh, based upon what's been done to you when really what's been done to you is just where you're from. It isn't who you are. I say that to, I say that to abuse people all the time. You know, I met a, I met a girl today. She was 18 years old and, um, uh, and I gave her the Rorschach, which is a projective instrument that I use a lot in my evaluations. And um, on one of the Rorschach cards, she saw uh, a girl who was trying to fly, but her wings were too heavy, mm. and uh, and that that is a wonderful image and a wonderful depiction of a young lady who feels like that she is a mistake, and she feels this way because she has a, a her she she lost a, a, a grandparent that was close to her and raised her, she lost a second grandparent, her mother just committed suicide two months ago from an overdose and her father is an addict she's the middle child oh, middle child of five and she's a middle child of five children so you can see why her wings are so heavy and so oh, i said to her goodness. today so i said to her today that this is this is a, a a wonderful example and she did give me shame as 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 her demon one of her demons and i think that that and i said to her you know that her challenge at the ripe old age of 18 is to is to sort out that this is just where she's from It isn't who she is. Mm -hmm. And this is what, this is, and this is, and so so self-hatred, as you can imagine, kind of grows on itself. Uh, Once you feel that you are a mistake, then, and and then you interact with the world, and the world treats you as if you're a mistake, then it starts getting Mm -hmm. validity, you see. And once that that begins Mm -hmm. to happen, it gets momentum, and next thing you know, you're at the mercy of it. So, it's, uh, and so And so in self-hatred, believe it or not, although it sounds like a, a terrible topic, self-hatred is, is epidemic in this culture. You know this because the, the leading cause of death from people between the ages of 15 and 35 is suicide, and many of those suicides are shame-based. Um, so, so self-hatred is quite epidemic in the culture more than people realize, and uh, yeah. p- particularly in the last – in, in, in the last couple, two or three generations, it's it's quite epidemic. Yeah.
3: hmm And and why do you think that is?
0: Well, I don't I don't know the answer to the why, uh, except that we mm-hmm. shifted in, I think, in the early 80s, uh, from the comp- the uh, compensation. I failed to say this earlier. The compensation for guilt has always been religiosity. Mm. The compensation. Mm. For shame is the compensation for shame is narcissism, and oh. so, so, yeah, so, so, so the that and and what is that? Well, that is a self-esteem and, and a sense of worth that's built on a false foundation. You see,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: so, and so we have a lot of narcissistic people, uh, which means they're detached. They're faking it till they make it. So to speak, in the world, and they feel divided against the culture and the process, and no mm. place to fit. You see? And so it's mm. uh, and 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 so the compensation doesn't work. Religiosity at least did work for guilt at some level. Narcissism mm. is not working to repair. It's not working to repair shame. The
1: yeah. only. The yeah. only way to,
0: yeah. The only. The, the only way to repair shame is you have to go down and in. Uh, in this work that i that I teach, you have to go inside yourself and fix the wound you know that 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 has happened uh to you and and the key point is that it happened to you you didn't do it to yourself and so
1: mm-hmm.
0: shame are more victims more victims than than not you see most mm-hmm. most shame people have got, have got a history of victimization of some sort, yeah
1: and sometimes yeah. like in the
0: like her, like in this girl's case, it's just victimization of circumstances. You see. Her circumstances have victimized her. She's, you know she's having an experience that that is leaving her leaving her wings heavy. I love that mm. metaphor. Yeah. That, 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 symbol, that symbol that she gave me. And and then what she feels with those heavy wings of course is an enormous amount of frustration. She's encumbered, she's hindered, she's weighed down with really the weight of the world because of this. And so it's uh so so counseling and psychotherapy for somebody like this, of course, is to is to get the is to get that weight off of her off of her shoulders that she's carrying. She's carrying the shadow of her family on her back.
1: Mm-hmm. That's oh what that goodness. means. And
0: she's Yeah, yeah. And a lot of and a lot of shame mm-hmm. people do. They 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 carry the shadow of their family. Because it's the only job that's left for a lot of people. I mean, I mean when you think about shadow in general, many of us uh, uh, carry the shadow of our families, and, and we tend to call those kids black sheep kids, the ones mm-hmm. that are... Because they're kind of against the reigning authority in the family, uh, but the only job that's left, the only role that's left to play is the one that carries the burden. And, of course, guess what she wants to do for a living? To become mm-hmm. a forensic psychologist... <laughs> mm-hmm. She wants she wants to know how she wants to know how the criminal mind works and she wants to know in other words, she wants to understand the shadow.
1: Yeah. And so
0: today and so today we, we talked a little bit about her understanding her own shadow first before she could understand the collective shadow that, that made her, you see. The collective mm-hmm. shadow was her 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 parents are a product of a collective shadow. And uh, and so she's not going to understand the collective shadow until she understands her own wounds and her own. And that's the suffering piece. That's, she's got to suffer with herself and stay with that long enough and not be afraid of it to understand that that, that, that pain that comes with sitting with it uh, is really a compassionate act. You know, it's a compassionate
1: yeah.
0: act to, to to allow yourself to just be in spite of you see, uh, your circumstances. And I think that's, you know, I mean, and speaking from my own experience with it, uh, I felt like it was always me against the world when I was growing up. And uh, and people always were always kind of puzzled about how I kind of had this optimistic view and the glass half full kind of perspective. And, and I think at a very, very young age, I, I realized that there was a larger truth than the one I was born into. I didn't know what that larger truth was. I just know that it was there.
1: Mm-hmm. And as I began
0: to as, as I began to as a young person get a sense of that larger truth uh it you know it started taking shape for me in a different kind of way but yeah many of us have mm-hmm. self esteem and self worth self worth issues we don't we don't sit around a lot and ponder where they come from you
3: know huh so how does how does one um uh willingly allow themselves to to suffer i love the i love the way um you worded um your your opening statement of the the self correcting ointment and um blood sweat and tears are matter matters of the heart and i'm just wondering like your your um the young girl you were just speaking of how does one willingly allow themselves to suffer because i would think there would be an almost an automatic resistance to suffering
0: yeah yeah there is there is um i think the short answer for that is is that that you have to find a different context to to kind of explain your subjective experience. You and I were talking about this before, about consciousness, before we came on the air. And I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and share this with the listeners. Uh, if you've ever got a chance to listen to Sam Harris, uh, he's on SoundCloud. I was telling Irma before we got on the air that he describes consciousness as the subjective experience that is Ernie and the subjective experience that is Irma. That, that, that something that is that subjective experience is consciousness. And, and, and to improve your consciousness, you have to be able to quantify it uh, without judgment, uh, your subjective experiences. And so, so the short answer, Irma, is, is that, that all of these people need a different context than the one they were born into. So when I said mm-hmm. that I knew there was a large truth, I kind of went after that larger truth, you see. So I went after the context, and that's kind of what you have to do. And that really is what I teach in the work with the soul's intent: is that you know context mm-hmm. is everything, and mm-hmm. uh, and and, certain, and certainly one cannot solve their puzzle, their own inner puzzle, without a different context. And so that's the short answer. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 stop being afraid of the suffering, because now. What, what what's really cool uh, about shame, uh, at least has been my experience with it that nothing that is in front of you is as bad as what's behind you
1: mm. so in other
0: words, so in other words, your present and your future is going to be nothing like your past. How do you know this? Well, because your past is when it happened, your past is when the wound was uh, was experienced, and you're never going to ever ever again have that kind of ridicule, that kind of rejection, that kind of confusion, because you were little and tiny and helpless, you see. And uh, and you were at the mercy of your experience and your circumstance. But now that you're 18, like in this girl's case, you can look at it with a full, clear 18-year-old set of eyes instead of a 6- or a 7-year-old set of eyes, you see. and so mm-hmm. And so... That, that that's that's one thing that's one thing that's very important to get that that, uh, that when you undergo a shaming beginning uh, and you and you really kind of um, uh, I won't say adopt but you're really a victim of a shaming experience so much so that it becomes your identity that that isn't it's never going to be duplicated in quite the same way ever again
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's and that's good to know.
1: Yeah, which which, yeah. which also
0: which also which also makes the pain you're sitting with now present tense pain. You see, it isn't mm-hmm. past tense pain, it's present tense. And and you're and you're dealing with the accumulation of the suffering uh, uh, as as it occurred when you were little and tiny and helpless and really couldn't do anything about it. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, so so that's my short answer. Is is that. Uh, mm-hmm. That, that we're all that, that we're all really, I, I think Irma, especially spiritually minded people, we're all looking for a context uh, that uh, that makes our life make sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, and if we don't have that context, then we're just kind of groping in the dark for it, you know. And I, and I think that that's the that's the solution to many of these issues um, in the culture is that, uh, and of course I advocate on this show that. I can't say enough that it's very important to have an inner life and to give that inner life station. Your mm-hmm. inner life is not all – your your inner life is the only condition of which you have any control over. You might not have been able to control the outside events that shamed you and that wounded you, but you certainly have the capacity to to uh, control your inner life now, you see. It's not out of your control mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So. I'm
3: just – does
0: that answer your, that answer
3: your yeah. question? Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, though, with um, the the girl you're speaking of, you said she she was 18. She's 18. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Um, and that her her suffering would be that of an 18 year old. But I'm just wondering. Doesn't it happen sometimes that psychologically people can get frozen, kind of emotionally, at a certain age, so they're kind of stuck at a, a younger age? So, um, yeah. They're yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's what. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd use the word frozen. I, I would say stunted. That that I think emotional growth is stunted by mm-hmm. uh, by trauma. Yeah. Period, yeah. and we tend to, and we tend to regress when we get caught in those emotions. And and I make the distinction all the time between feeling and emoting. And so that's the second part answer to your question. Is the second part answer is just to not only find another context that is more true and valid, feel your way through that context, and stop emoting your way through it. Because if mm-hmm. you're emoting your way through, then you then you are regressing. To a different time in your life when all that abuse happened. If you're feeling your way through it, then you're present tense with your feelings, and and that's and that's the distinction. Yep. So that's the next level of understanding that I think has to be has to be acquired. So, but yeah, they uh, frozen, stunted. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we get stuck. We, we definitely do get stuck. Yeah. And when, and when yeah. I say we, I, sh- I should say I should say the human ego gets stuck, and the. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but but what's really cool is today the soul the soul saw a girl with wings that were too heavy to fly today.
1: Uh-huh. The soul
0: gave that image and it was a wonderful image.
1: Yeah. And it, in yeah. fact
0: it's a very deep and profound image for an eighteen year old to give me, mm-hmm. you see. So yeah. so she's much she's much more spiritual than she realizes, you see.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For the so for the soul hard. to there's a lot of hope for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, if she gets in front of if she gets in front of the right therapist and she gets the right kind of help, yeah. I mean, and uh, and she's you know, and she's uh, and and there is hope because of that kind of imagery that she gave me. I mean, yeah. she's seeing yeah. the opposition. She, the, the soul is giving her the the symbology of the opposition that's taking place inside of her, and so what is the weight of those wings? You see, is it self imposed, mm-hmm. or was it or, or was it something that was done to her? You see what I mean?
1: Yeah. And yeah. we know today
0: it, we know we know today at eighteen, it's now self imposed because the shaming. And and the, and the problem she has with shame is much older than, than right now. It's happened a long time ago. You see.
3: Yeah, and she's seeing uh, the contrast of the the heavy wings, but but the contrast is she's also seeing that she she's wants got, to fly. That she's bat wing. So she has well, that, that contrast.
0: She's bat wings. Yeah, that she's yeah, got wings.
3: She even exactly. has wings,
0: it, it right? A, it, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It was a. It's a very. It's a very. Uh, it's a very deep symbol for an eighteen-year-old to give me, and her, uh, and she wasn't, uh, you know, uh, exceptionally intelligent. I think she was in the. She was in the low end of the average range. I mean, so she's not a real, a real smart person, even a real complex person, uh, for her to have come up with that kind of imagery. I mean, she's that. The fact that she came up with that imagery, I would run with that and teach her the. The, the profundity of those images because that's, those were great images. And she gave me a couple of others as well, but I've kind of forgotten what they were, but yeah, she, yeah, she's a special, she's a special young lady. And, and, and that's what I mm-hmm. spent time today telling her, you know, I spent time today, mm-hmm. to let her know that this was the, she'd never seen or met a psychologist before. So, so this was her first experience mm-hmm. with a mental health professional. That was, and that was a positive mm-hmm.
3: thing. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I'm glad she found you, Ernie. I'm glad she found you. Well well I won't be I won't be treating her, but what I will be doing mm-hmm. is writing the
0: report. We'll be telling the people yeah. that are treating her what what it mm-hmm. is that she needs to work on, what it is she needs to discover. But yeah, but but I think what I mm-hmm. want the listeners to hear is that is is that uh and, and and I'm sure that many people can can identify with the topic tonight because many people have have issues of self esteem and self worth and they don't really think about not so much how it happens, but how they can how they can heal that in themselves, because there is a healing and a transformation that really kind of has to take place because that leak that leak in the bottom of the cup is not going to go away on its own
1: mhm
0: so so it so it takes uh it takes a a commitment and and that's, and I think that's what's so cool about this young lady she wants to be a helper not uncommon at all. I mean, I'm a helper. I ended up becoming a helper. A lot of people that have shame as a demon want to be helpers. And what they're really saying is because I was a victim, I have a, I have a pet love for other victims. And so she wants to help people. And so as long as she's guided to this idea that, well, the better you – the best version of yourself you can become is what's going to help other people. It isn't going to be the words that come out of your mouth. It's going to be the sample, or I'm sorry, the example that you set um, uh, as you heal your own shame. And I, I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten that question uh, when I've gone out and done done different kind of talks and stuff. How how did you heal your shame? As if there was like three mm-hmm. three easy steps to healing shame, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And for me,
0: it was shift, it was a shift in perspective. You know, people don't understand that that that, that spiritual spiritual work. It's just a. Would you not agree? It's just a constant re envisioning of who we think we are, <laughs> you
1: mm-hmm. know? Yeah. and and, yeah. and and what
0: and and what we're capable of, you know, and just a constant re envisioning and rethinking of that uh, a- until we have a subjective experience of who we are,
1: and mm-hmm. that's what we're all
0: kind of longing for. We're longing for some quality subjective experience that, that that describes who we are, and it is valid. And we talked mm-hmm. today a little bit, and, and it's, it's probably worthwhile to bring this up. That where do we go for these for these reflections? Where we tend to go to family members, to boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, and imagine that these people are mirrors, but all their mirrors are cracked, or all their mirrors yeah. are kind of like carnival mirrors. You know,
3: yeah, we stand in front of those mirrors. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, we stand in front of those mirrors and get a distorted reflection back, and so that's why this woman or this young lady will will benefit greatly from standing in front of a clear, Windex mirror, like a,
1: like yeah. a quality therapist. Yeah, yeah. she'll be benefited
0: greatly because yeah. all the mirrors that she's been using so far to assess herself have been cracked mirrors or distorted mirrors. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a, another really good reason to go inward because um, the inward journey is kind of between you and your soul. And if you're, um, um, if you do come across a, a, another a clear mirror in your life that can you know reflect without distortions, but. That's a that's a good reason to to go on the inward journey because it's between you and your soul, and your soul is clear.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the uh, childhood story that I love about this, I wrote a book. Uh, I, I used in the, the the very first book I did was Big Tail Small Kite, and uh, the I used the metaphor of the duckling story, and uh, mm-hmm. and this duckling, which is born into a family of other ducks he's late in arrival, all the other eggs are hatching way ahead of, of of him, and then when he finally does hatch, and his egg is also bigger, the other eggs are smaller, and so when he finally does hatch, he's got this long neck and these long gangly legs, and he just doesn't look anything like a duck, and so what happens immediately is he's ridiculed by all the other ducks, of course, and so this ridicule goes on the way the story goes until he finally just jumps over the fence and goes out into the wild. And even when he's in the wild he he meets some other birds. I think uh in the story, I think he meets some quail in the middle of a field, and apparently there's some hunters in the field, and so the hunters will uh, shoot this quail that's right beside him. He's, oh my God, I'm so ugly that they're shooting at me you know <laughs> so the way and, and while this is happening, some swans fly over. And he looks at these beautiful birds, and he goes, "I just wish I could be like them. they're just so so beautiful and divine and just you know just beautiful characters you know and so that winter he gets stuck in a pond, he gets frozen in a pond, and these two children take him out of the out of the pond and take him into the barn for the winter months and when he comes out in the spring and you kind of get a sense in the story that now he's an adolescent, you know that he was pre-adolescent uh, going into the winter months, and then he comes out of the of the barn in the, in the spring. He's now entered adolescence. And as he comes out and he's kind of stretching his wings and walking out into the to the front of the barn, he sees these swans land on a lake. And he, he says, you know, I have to go meet these people. So he, he takes all the courage that he has to go over and meet them as he's swimming towards them. He's so taken by their beauty that he sticks his head beneath his wing uh, because he's humbled by their by their beauty, and he 's so ashamed of who he is, and sees his reflection in the water, and he discovers in that moment that he 's a swan, just like them and so mm-hmm. that 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 imagery is is very profound to me because that that humbling putting your head beneath your wing you see is 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 what 's in store for this young lady i mean she 's in the same boat i mean right now she is the ugly duckling as far as she 's concerned, and the world 's telling her that she 's a mistake and and so until she gets to a place uh, where she is humbled by her adversity versus angry and ashamed of it, um, and she has a contrasting something else to compare against uh, of what she thinks beauty to be uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or non shame or to be, uh, that, that putting her head beneath her wing is, uh, is the wake-up moment and And mm. for a lot of people that doesn't for a lot of people that doesn't happen you know they don't have the wake up moment uh because they never go through the humbling and that's the suffering the suffering is to is to suffer us awake, and the suffering us awake is a humbling experience mm. and uh but but having the contrast is uh of what is love worthy and what is beauty and all those different kinds of things that the ego kind of tells us, what's perfection. You know, we have to kind of sort all that out. So it's developmental. Mm-hmm. It's developmental. But if she mm-hmm. if she gets a hold of a if she gets a hold of a good counselor and a good therapist, I think that she'll she could turn this around by the time she's twenty five, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Six, yeah. or, seven,
0: six yeah. or seven years. Sounds like sounds like a long time, but actually it's not a long time. It's a it's a sound bite compared to the rest of your life. And you consider that a lot yeah. of people never Never resolve issues of self, self-esteem and self-worth uh, because right. they don't see they don't see the work and the suffering of it all. Yeah.
3: So I had a question um, that you know to to help the the listeners understand this this um, self-hatred thing because I, I think we we talked briefly before the show went on. I I don't relate really strongly to, to self-hatred, so I, I don't have a whole lot to say, but um, I did want to ask you, when you talk about the division of self, what, what do you mean by that?
2: Well,
0: w- well, it's, it's those, those four constructs that I talk about, the soul, spirit, ego, and heart. Uh, mm-hmm. they, those four kind of organs of perceptions are divided against the self. Uh, divided mm. in such a way that th- that they're not working in, in that symbiotic way that they that, that they're supposed to work. So so the division happens because of of the suffering and the adversity, and the healing is then opening up to all of those organs of perception. You know, I, before I use the word context, well, what aspect of the self uh, is really big on context? Well, that would be the soul. And what and what of those four organs of perception, uh, where is feeling? Well feeling is the human spirit and its relationship with the ego is provocation. So it's it's mm. it's kind of provoking the ego to see what it needs to see and then the heart is the compass. So so the division is, is is that that those four mm-hmm. kind of organ of perceptions are, are divided and kind of walled off even in many respects,
1: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and
0: and that's why that's why shame is detached. Shame people can be detached from their own heart, which in some cases, in the extreme cases that we read in the paper, they're detached from their own humanity. You see, uh, mm-hmm. and so so it's it's a very significant division, uh, and and so. Since shame feels like it's a mistake, it feels not only the internal division, it also feels divided against the world, where guilt only feels the internal division. Mm -hmm. Uh, It isn't isn't necessarily feeling like it's divided. It isn't them against the world. They don't feel like that they're… It's a different kind of uh, different kind of perspective. I don't know if you uh, if that was your experience with with guilt, or if you've ever thought of your guilt that way. But that's really what it means that that the, mm-hmm. that the division is inevitable. I think the division is inevitable in, in just a human condition in general. We all kind of get uh, get separated and cut away from who we are, and and in that separation uh, and in that detachment, we have to reconnect and reintegrate and, and bring mm-hmm. those four organs. Perception, kind of online altogether, and it's a developmental uh, thing that we kind of grow into over time. It isn't something that, that happens overnight. But yeah. That's the answer mm-hmm. to, to what to what the division is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, r- it is. It, 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 and, and really is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Well, I was just going to say that that really is helpful. How you clarify the 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 heart, the ego, the soul, and the spirit kind of all working together in in one's life, and the the um, integration of of all of those things. It, it really is is helpful to for healing and for becoming whole and present in your life. And um, I don't think before I started um, listening to you, I don't know that I ever heard anyone kind of connect all of those things the way that you do, and it's really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, and if you don't, and, and if people don't like the words soul, spirit, ego, and heart, then... then we can be a little bit more specific and say that the soul is that aspect of the self that witnesses and observes your life from a neutral position. And, and so it's that it's that aspect of you that is able to do that. Uh, and uh, I've said before to you off the air and on the air that we've dissected the brain, we've gone into every orifice of the body, cannot find the observer, but yet there's one in there. Well, that is the soul. And, mm-hmm. and so the soul mm-hmm. tends to orchestrate Our lives and because it's witnessing our lives as it is instead of as it should be. The Mm. spirit, if you don't like the word spirit, if if you don't like the word spirit or human spirit, uh, it's really just your feeling reaction to the present moment. And so, and, and the ego is an adaptive function and the heart is the true human compass. And so what has happened and what does happen in the division that happens in all of us, whether we have guilt and shame, is the ego is made the default compass. And as a result of that, we never connect to the real compass until we heal the division, you see. And mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, and, and then, and, and without that feeling uh, component, then we're at the mercy of the emotions that are stored in the ego. and And that's where our thoughts and our memories and our emotions are all stored, kind of like a hard drive. And so the... Mm-hmm. The human, the human spirit is there really just to kind of push the, kind of push the button and boot it up so we can so we can uh, make the make the ego kind of respond to that. And um, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: if that language if that yeah. language helps a little better to, to to make it more clear, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I was just thinking, you know, the above observer, the soul being neutral, which um, the soul would have no judgment. And so right. a big part of our healing comes through the soul because it's neutral and has no judgment and it's it's not fixed the the ego um seems fixed and and rigid and the the soul isn't fixed at all it's it's um free <laughs> and and so yeah.
0: um yeah well its it certainly wants to be free. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the whole reason for the orchestration. I mean, the soul, the soul wants, uh, wants, if we stay in the metaphor of the symbol of the girl with the wings that are too heavy to fly, if we stay Mm -hmm. in that image because that's soul, that's really a soul image, then the, the, the soul gave her wings. The weight is really coming, is coming from the ego. Mm
1: -hmm. And, uh, and,
0: and, and so that that is very important to kind of get, that, that the soul uh, has one function, which is really for you to just arrive and to get here and to be present in your life and to be uh, what you were intended to be, which is pure potentiality and pure probability. I mean, that's, that's it. And, um, and as we were talking about off the air, that the more conscious you become, objective experience, and the more aware – uh, you are, in your uh, how you assess that objective experience from the observer, then the healthier you're going to become. I mean, look at the Eckhart Tolle uh, movement. I mean, he was a schizophrenic sitting on a bench, consi- considering suicide, and uh, and then he observed himself sitting there contemplating suicide, and went, "Wow, uh, what is that that's that's, that's observing me?" Who is that that's observing me, and which one do I want to identify with? And he chose to identify with the soul, and so he wrote the Power of Now. Because mm-hmm. in that moment, of, in that moment of presence, he saw the separation between the guy that wanted to die and the soul that wanted to live. And in that separation, yeah. in the realization of that separation, he healed. He healed his own division, you see, and that and that didn't happen in a soundbite. I mean, I mean that that wasn't a sit on the bench one day and have that realization. That was a, I'm sure, uh, a series of uh, of a lot of developmental work that he had done to get to that point. Uh, but then it was a choice and a decision to give the soul station, you see.
3: Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm, what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like. Um... You can't really identify with the soul because that that would kind of be an ego thing to to right. identify with the soul because the soul just is.
1: Right. The soul just right. is.
3: There there really is no identifying with it. There's only an experience of it. At, at least mm. that's my
1: experience.
3: <laughs> right. Well, that's my well, experience in the way that he of said the said soul. That.
0: Yeah, and, and the way that he said that uh, is just the way he said it in the book, but I think he later clarifies that what he meant was, do I want to give station to my subjective awareness or do I want to give station to my ego's awareness, which is yeah. at this point
1: mm-hmm.
0: pretty, pretty sad and, and suicidal. So so yeah, so is, is he was evaluating his own subjective experiences uh he, he decided to uh to lean towards the soul's uh the soul's perspective of it and so that's that's it. I mean it's uh and, and the soul as we as I say all the time is so more and so much more intelligent than the brain. And uh and it is tied to the body and the body's intelligence, which is which far exceeds the brain as well. Uh like I tell people all the time that the brain will run into a burning building but the body will not do that. <laughs> You
1: know, mm-hmm. the, uh,
0: mm-hmm. the, the body, the body will hesitate. <laughs> you, know? you know, and it's that yeah. it's that hes- it's it's that hesitation that the body has us do that is a different level of awareness. You see, and um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I think you know coming coming to coming to the understanding that you even have this inside of you. I mean, I I call it your internal GPS. You know, uh, you know, in, in in that kind of language, the soul becomes the satellite uh, of which the heart is directly connected to, uh, and the and the human spirit and the ego are the driving force, so the electricity that runs the whole system. So, so, so the idea that you have a satellite, uh, this above observer that is witnessing your life from a neutral position, uh, or from a neutral place is uh is loving and compassionate and allowing and forgiving and uh and, and just simply in in its in its assessment of your life as it is
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: yeah it, yeah so it its so it's real important to make that and and this is really the spiritual path i mean the spiritual path is uh am i am i a psychological animal or am i a spiritual animal or am i both you see, and, and this is really what I'm bringing to, uh, to many of my listeners is, is that, that we are both a, a, a psycho-spiritual animal and you're not going to be able to fix the psychology of who you are simply by itself uh, and you're not going to be able to fix the spiritual animal that you are simply by itself. You have to merge those two uh, and, and look at this from a psycho-spiritual perspective and realize that that's yeah. the whole animal. That's, yeah. that's the whole being. And it isn't a coincidence that that's, that's merging the right and left hemisphere of the brain as well. I mean, so you're you're living in the left hemisphere of your brain with all of these judgments. That's where the ego resides. And you're living in the left hemisphere of the brain with all those stored memories and all that stored pain. But it's the right hemisphere that sees the larger picture. It's the right hemisphere that sees context. And so the soul, through uh, through its communication, uh Kind of pushes us to the right side. So when I said today that she gave me that image of the of the girl trying to fly with heavy wings, that was a right hemisphere uh, mm-hmm. kind of re- that was a right hemisphere response. You see? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, And and so that's
0: and so that's the goal in uh, in treating really any personality disorder is is that that you're trying to get people to. Uh, View their life beyond the ego's perspective you know mm-hmm. in in psychology in psychology it's called transpersonal, which just means beyond the personal and uh and so really you you heal these these divisions by uh by being able to see your life uh through a different lens than just the ego yeah and,
3: uh, yeah yeah. yeah. I was thinking about you know the intelligence of of the soul the the soul you know being the above observer can see the whole picture of things, and so there's a um there's a knowing that comes with that that could never really come with the ego because the ego can't really see the whole picture and and so it's um a lot of times, I think we're working a whole lot harder than we than we actually have to. If we can make contact with with the soul and um, that intelligence of the soul, there's um, the ability to see the whole picture of things, which brings a lot of uh, wisdom and um, an intelligence that the ego just doesn't have.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the the the. The interesting part about it, in the culture, you know, we, we know uh, people make a soul statement all the time when they say things happen for a reason. They don't realize mm-hmm. that that's a soul that, that, That's actually a soul statement. That's coming from the soul. It's, it's about the soul. Uh, and what they're really saying is that something larger is at work. What they don't realize is that something larger that's at work is in them. It isn't outside of them. It is inside of them there's something larger that's at work. And so so when you say that things happen for a reason, the soul's response would say, "Yeah, did you get the reason? Did you get it?" <laughs> you know, and and if you and if you didn't get it, I'll orchestrate something else for you to see, and I'll orchestrate something else mm-hmm. for you to see. Did you get it now? Did you get it now? And this is really why and so it, it's so things happen for a reason until we get the reason. And the mm-hmm. reason is really simple. It's really simple. It's to grow. And to get more present with our life experience, and to be more in our own power, more in our own bodies, more in our own subjective experiences, and more in our lives. And so that's that's why things happen for a reason. Uh, it yeah. isn't. Where, where, where I have a problem with that is when people make that statement, they think that there's that there's something larger at work is outside of them, and right. uh, and and that. And the, and that's where it breaks down, you see. And so it ends up being just a phrase that people say. People, I can't tell you the number of people that say that all the time. Well, things happen for a reason, you know. It's like, you know, how many how many times are you going to say that before you before you really want to tap in to that part of you that made that assessment? You see,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you only made that assessment because of something. Larger than, than yourself is something that's larger than and, and remember what, what self is we're talking egoic self. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something larger that's something larger you carry with you every day. And as I say all the time, it's never off, it's never away, it's never gone, it doesn't abandon, it doesn't reject, it doesn't judge. it just is.
3: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when people say things happen for a reason and, and they are looking at it as something external, it almost feels like a punishing thing where the realization of it's your soul trying to to get you here, to be present, to, to wake you up, There's there's no punishment in that. There's only reward in that
0: well and you know and you know when when personality disorder is uh, is really taken over to to the extreme because uh i i, I had a case a couple of weeks ago where i was uh, talking to a a gentleman who was probably in his 40s and he had uh i i said to him i said we were talking about spirituality and and spiritual whether or not he was having a psychological crisis or a spiritual crisis and he said, "I don't know that I know the difference." And I said, "Well, the difference would be if you're walking down the construction site and a brick hits you on the head. A a non-spiritual person would curse the owner of the building, you know, uh, go to the hospital, threaten to sue the business where the brick was, and and then get migraine headaches and complain that, that their whole life has fallen apart because they now have these migraine headaches. And it's just another example of victimization and you know, blah blah blah." A spiritual person would say, would go to the hospital and get the stitches, and then say, "I wonder what I need to pay attention to that life reached out and hit me on the head."
1: Mm-hmm. So a spiritual
0: person look, a spiritual person is looking for the reason. You see,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where a non mm-hmm. a non spiritual person. And so this guy's response to that example was, yeah, I hate those kind of people. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, I hate those kind of people that say that kind of stuff, you know that things happen gururies, and that's a bunch of bull. And so he was just really, really just exposing just how personality disordered he is, meaning that he is so yeah. governed dictated by the ego he can't even he can't see the forest or the trees, and that's that's what's problem with these organs of perception that if they're divided and separated, and not allowed to work together as they're intended to do, then you know, then you're kind of cut off from all of your all of your potentiality. I mean, he he literally is blind. Uh, he's he's really groping in the dark because he's making yeah. the ego the compass. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And there's there's no way to live up to your your full potential that way because it's always stop and go, stop and go, stop and go.
0: Yeah, and and that's really what psychological disorder is. I mean, I mean that's and this guy was an addict and he was a recovering criminal and he had a he had a pretty pretty dark background, but that's but that but again that's that's what makes you know as we talk about talk about self hatred, this guy was ashamed to death as he was, he had no guilt at all. (laughs) You know this is a a key ingredient of an antisocial personality. They don't have a lot of guilt. (laughs) They do have shame.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. so,
0: and so that that so that division in this in this example is he's he's really cut off from his compass, and he's cut off from the soul's intent. You see, he's cut off from mm-hmm. this, he's cut off this, from this intelligence, and he is purely in the left side of his brain and the and his perspective of the whole experience. Yeah. well we 're down to three minutes, Irma. Is there any last closing thoughts or last closing questions or anything at all that you have about this topic i mean this is uh, i I knew this was going to be a challenge for you tonight because this is this is not has not been your experience um, but I felt like it was a worthwhile topic because
1: so mm-hmm. many people
0: have have issues of self worth and self esteem and and we talk about uh and we didn't say this tonight, so maybe I should say this in closing we talk about self confidence and self worth and self esteem the, the solution to all of these things is self love, and self love mm-hmm. is the capacity to, to suffer to suffer with oneself. That is what self love mm-hmm. is. Compassion means to suffer with, and so so mm-hmm. uh, so the 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 cure, if there, if you will, for for this for this division that we experience uh, uh, as human beings is is self love, and self love is mm-hmm. one of those elusive kind of kind of words and topics that everybody kind of struggles
2: with thank you for being a part of the soul's intent with author psychologist and spiritual teacher ernie vecchio this is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible while problems manifest psycho-spiritually, on a most essential level there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness And The Soul's Intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. And how, in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.